welcome to season three of the Lifestyle Chase, and I'm your host, Chris Little. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. To help this podcast grow, please share it on social media, rate five stars, tell your friends, and check out the past 140 episodes and counting. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Little and at The Lifestyle Chase. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. All right, so welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. I am joined by the one and only Aaron Bold. And before I let you get get your shot at uh, talking, I want to give you a special intro because um, you're a guest that I've been meaning to have on for quite some time, and I'm going to tell my audience why. So back in about 2019, I was trying to get my start in the industry. I was trying to get uh, a spot where I could train people. And I think out of everybody that I met, you were the least hesitant in giving me a shot. And it ended up that I went to a different facility and I got to be around some friends and I got a good start and that gym ended up closing. But I just wanted to highlight how much that meant to me that you were going to give me a shot and that you showed up with arms wide open. And that's something that I'll never forget. And it meant a lot to me. And as these uh, next years have unfolded just through everything that everybody in the industry goes through and everything like that. I've kind of felt like compassion brings people close together. There's, there's a lot of resilience that you've demonstrated in the past several years. And uh, in checking out your career in the lacrosse, in all of that stuff, in fitness, it's really cool to see you modeling some, some really great characteristics for youth in lacrosse and youth in general. Um, that's why I have you on the show. That's why I, you got the special intro. This is episode 173 of the Lifestyle Chase. Aaron, how are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate all the kind words and uh, happy to be here. Well, that's good. I mean, how this is such a cliche question these days, like, how are you doing? But like, because nobody's really 100%. Some people are 50%. Yesterday, I did like a survey of the people that followed me. The average answer was about 50%. Um, with that context in mind, uh, well, actually, I saw in your story, you were talking about gratitude, which is something that uh, I need reminders of often. I think it's something that's one of your strongest qualities is to be grateful no matter what's going on. So maybe I'll just ask you that. What are you grateful for today? Uh, today, you know, it, it's it's the simple things, right? And I think I had said in my post uh, family, right? Because without family, you know, it's very hard sometimes to, to lean on friends and, and open up and so on and so forth with that. Uh, another big one was a roof over my head and food in my belly. The basics that a lot of people do not have around this world that I'm very, very fortunate for and grateful for. True that. Um, so now we're going to give you a chance to really introduce yourself. Just imagine you're talking to a room full of strangers. And after everything that you've experienced in your life, you want to talk about the things that you are most deeply meaningful to you and the things that uh, resonate with you the most. So what would your elevator pitch essentially be with all of that in mind? 
Uh, the elevator pitch, you know, it's it's a little bit hard uh, just because I'm very passionate about uh, fitness and uh, health and, and nutrition. So uh, it might be a little bit longer than an elevator pitch. But I, I got in this industry simply because I was an athlete. I wanted to prolong my career for one. And then I grew to really love it as a lifestyle. And I think a lot of coaches out there really love what they do. Um, yes, there's stresses and everything like that. But for myself, I love what I do. I love the interaction with clients. I love empowering people to be a better version of themselves. That's a perfect, perfect answer. Um, what if we took you into a time machine to like 10 years old? Your 10 years your old self, what was life like at that point? Honestly, so again, my my upbringing was a little bit different. I, I know probably people think that, you know, I'm bubbly and all this and he was very fortunate. Actually, you know, I didn't have, uh, you know, too big of a father figure in my life when I was young and I was raised uh, by my mom and uh, she was raising three boys by herself. So my gratitude towards my mother is huge, right? She's, she's who instowed the perseverance, um, you know, facing adversity, no matter what, keep on moving forward, have faith and it will happen. So I, you know, I owe a lot to her for my characteristics as the man I am today. So, um, again, we didn't come from much, but again, it's what you do with that, right? Everybody has opportunities. You really need to grasp it, take it and take advantage of it and go hundred percent if you believe in it. So with that being said, as we go forward in the years from 10 years old to maybe like high school, what were three character building moments for you that you, that really stand out to you when you quickly think of it on the spot kind of thing? Uh, character. Honestly, I'm a goofball by nature. So I think, you know, not being too serious, right. And I think we all get quite serious as we mature, uh, you know, inevitably through life and everything like that. But you can talk to my staff, you know, we, we keep it to where it's, you know, very fun, but also professional. Um, I might be the captain of the team, but I still respect my teammates and have fun. And I think that's one of the biggest things is, you know, growing up playing lacrosse, I was always a goofball singing, you know, and whatever, just songs that were happening, dancing, you know, just being myself. And I think a lot of people um, are shy to be themselves, right? And they're really focusing on the judgment where you're going to attract the people that you want to by acting the way you are. Simple as that. So there's no point in hiding it. And I think I kind of came to that reality. Um when it comes maybe to another characteristic, um, adversity, I guess, when in my young lacrosse years, we only had like 10 players um, on our team. So uh, if you think about it, most teams have about 15 to 20 where they're playing multiple shifts, right? So I got peppered with balls. You know, I didn't like it first starting, but I just kept with it. And again, facing adversity really young, that made me become a much better goalie from all the practice that I got. So I think those are the biggest two, I think, facing a little bit of adversity as far as the, the sports go, keeping it fun um, and not taking, you know, things too seriously. Yeah. And I mean, that makes that makes sense. It's kind of something that uh, we don't realize how how much we grow in our younger years and how much that pays off in our older years and like how much you can kind of uh, see what strengths you may exhibit later in life based on your your habits and your decisions and your actions in, in your younger life. 
Um, something that I've always been kind of curious about, like, what was your start in lacrosse? Like, what, what kind of piqued your interest and made that, like, your sport that you took a great interest in? It's a great question. Actually, when I was growing up, uh, I played baseball because for one, it was a cheap sport. My mother could afford it. So played that, um, same with my two brothers. We were always excelled actually in sports. We took on sports very, very well, um, or any type of, you know, uh, fitness or whatever. We just were pretty good naturally. Um, so I was playing in Babe Ruth. So this would be roughly around 12 years old. And, um, I was a back catcher. And I look to the side one day and there's these kids playing this crazy sport called lacrosse in a lacrosse box. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. So what we did is we moved from downtown Victoria to View Royal. And um, I went to school one day. There's a guy who had a lacrosse. And I was like, hey, what's that? You know, what's that? And I actually um, started off being a player. And as the season approached, we had no goalie. So our coach said one day, hey, we need a goalie to actually play a game. I reluctantly put up my hand and said, sure, I'll try it out. And I was a goalie ever since. Well, it's kind of funny how like fate has its way of like shaping outcomes kind of thing. Like a lot of the things that we do today, we wouldn't have written down that we would have done them if somebody asked us like 15 years ago or something like that. Um, as you were kind of going up in the ranks of lacrosse, did you find that to be a difficult thing or was your natural ability something that kind of helped you along the way with that journey? Again, the natural ability and keeping things light for the first part, of course. Um, you know, I had a happy dance when we won, when we didn't win, whatever, I got a slurpee kind of thing. Uh, but um, for the most part, I kept it pretty light and I never really took it too serious until someone said, Hey, you know what? You can go professional. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then the light bulb kind of switched and knowing my kind of work ethic, I was just like, okay, let's get to work. Right. So just the small things, trying to critique myself and taking uh, construction, uh, sorry, cor um, corrective, um, sorry. Um, anyways, criticism. There we go. Yeah. Sorry. Taking criticism and and just really trying to focus on the weaknesses to get uh, better at my craft, right? And that's what I did. And um, I still remember one of my good friends, Lucas McNeil, in Victoria. He played Sino Cross with me and everything like that. And then going into the NLL, we didn't have an NLL size net. So what I did is made one out of PVC piping. And we took it to the tennis court and we just practiced every single day until my combine came. And I was fortunate enough to be the third string goalie on the Portland Lumberjacks in 2005. And I beat out a veteran goalie. So that right there is just work ethic. You have your drive, desire. Don't let go of that dream until you get it. Well, I love that. And I mean, those are things that can be attributed to any scenario. Like even in the fitness industry, people are saying like the odds are against you. But like you built a net out of PVC pipe, like you made it happen. You made it work. Um, when I was getting ready for this episode, I kind of looked back at some YouTube videos and there was something that really struck me. And it was the the biggest thing was that uh, as part of an auction to raise money for something very meaningful to you, um, somebody had bought your, your pads and then they gave them back to you. And I think they handed you a check and they talked about why and like what it meant for them to see you having those pads and I was like wow like that that's very powerful but it must have been very powerful for them with the impact that you left and they kind of talked about how it was like one of the first young athletes that you had a role in coaching um what was it like for you to start that role and being like 
being a coach for other people in, in the lacrosse capacity? Yeah, I, I, you know, I know that uh, that moment, it was actually after a lacrosse game in Vancouver, uh, Talia Maven or the Mavens in Victoria, um, you know, some athletes can coach, some athletes can play, right? There's a lot of uh, athletes out there that can't do both. And with all, you know, being modest and humble is, you know, I, I like teaching, I like mentoring, I like to help people. So I think it kind of comes naturally to me by nature. And of course, you know, when I first started, maybe I wasn't the best and I was teaching skills that I just knew, right? Uh, without really kind of interpreting what they really needed uh, based off of maybe some flaws and so on and so forth. But just like any craft, as you kept with it and keep on going, you can see the shift on what you needed to do to actually help that person to be a little bit more successful, just like training, just like nutrition, just like a life coach, just like anything in life, right? You, you adapt to uh, certain skill sets to help others. So um, over the years, you know, doing camps and everything like that, it's just being a good person. Honestly, it's it's so easy to just give that extra moment that's going to make such a huge impact in little kids' lives, and it's lasting. You know, even though some people think I'm retired through the NLL and everything like that because I didn't play the second half of the season, um, you know, I, I still get, you know, people message me and everything like that. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, Billy had such a great, uh, you know, time or this one like four years ago and they would share a photo and I would laugh and say, thank you. That's amazing. And, you know, it's it, those things I really cherish. Right. And I'm still hoping to uh, play a few more years under my belt and then possibly shift into coaching um, and, and be a little bit more of a, a mentor role model that way and, and help win some more championships. With regards to the NLL and your role within that league as a player, what was the team or the game that gave you like the biggest sense of like purpose or butterflies or that like almost nervous got a pee sensation before the game? Like when were you at the peak of like, holy crap, like this is the this is it for me kind of thing? Um, you know, as a goaltender, it's a little little bit different as far as the mentality goes, right? You almost have that I don't want to say roller coaster effect of emotions, but sometimes it is, right? And leading up to the game, in the game, it's really controlling those emotions that really set good goaltenders from great goaltenders. So in regards to, you know, uh team accolades, honestly, 2015, when uh Michelle was re-diagnosed and only had a few years to live. Um, I was like, I'm going to make 2015 the best year of lacrosse because this is going to be the last chance for her to see me succeed. And I know that she wants that for me. And I just went to town. So we started with um, the Edmonton Rush, had an awesome, awesome year. Uh, we we first went to Toronto and this was the best of best of three series, right. For the championship. Uh, now it's just, no, I think it's still the, the best of three series. And uh, it was actually quite funny. I was so, so determined and just knowing did had no doubt whatsoever that Brock Sorensen, um, who I played with in junior and same with his uh, older brother uh, after a game, after we beat him in Toronto by, I think two is like 10, eight. I went up to him. And I was like, Brock, you're not winning. I'm sorry, but you're not. He's like, oh, no, you were going to come. He's like, Brock, I love you, man. But no, like nothing's standing in my way. And I was so, you know, when you hear you, you listen to a song and you get like shivers, you know, that feeling where it's just like, who it's radiating. I just got a little bit of shivers there right now. 
but it's just when you're determined you have that kind of stronghold on your dream and nothing's going to stand in your way no matter what it's such an amazing feeling right to believe that right and i think that's another thing too is is a hard thing to do is 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 believing in your dreams sometimes because there's so many things going but anyways that was the first one in edmonton uh then i was very fortunate enough to win the man cup best of seven series in Victoria, Michelle came out. She was there for that as well. And then we went to Syracuse for the Worlds and we won the uh, World Championship with Team Canada. So that was a, you know, a team accolade, personal accolades that I really hold true um, and strong to because I had a, had a vision, had a desire um, to be successful and for somebody who was very meaningful uh, for me and still is. And uh, yeah, went from there. Oh, I mean, that's a beautiful way to be motivated, you know, like it's uh, when it really has a deeper meaning, which I think that's what sets apart, like the motivated from the people who can kind of come complacent, like when there's something that pulls someone to have this sense of purpose. With all of that being said, like, uh, how how did you and Michelle meet? Like, what, what was that story like? So her brother... Um, Kevin Fines, he was, so I first met him in San Jose. So my second year in the NLL, he was on the team, uh, previously the, the year previous. And, uh, we were basically got on the team. We started to kind of play, but then he got traded. So a few years pass and I go to Rochester and lo and behold, I'm his roommate. So one night, his his sister uh, came out, same with his other sister, and we went to, you know, uh, after hours kind of uh, restaurant where the fans meet, stuff like that, went there. And uh, then I met Michelle. I was just like, she walked in. I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm going to marry this girl, right? It was just one of those moments where you're just like, I know. It's like, I just, wow. Um not being creepy or anything like that, of course. Uh, <laughs> so it was just one of those intuition moments, right? Like sometimes you get that. And so anyways, um, I, I was like, I don't want to go near that because that, you know, <laughs> like my, you know, my brother-in-law or Kevin's like my roommate is like, no, but in the days end, he's like, Aaron, you're the only lacrosse player that I would trust with my sister. So you got the green light if you want to. So that was pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty funny there. So we, we met in Toronto. Uh, we dated off and on. She actually developed breast cancer um, in about 2010. And then we had kind of a, a back and forth kind of relationship and she wanted some space and so on and so forth. And I moved out to Edmonton. And then around that 2014, she came out here and then was re-diagnosed with about two years to live. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's heavy, but at the same time, like, I've been drawn towards that story. Like, I'm an empathic person, empathetic person, I should say. When other people feel pain or passion or anything like that, I feel it too. Um, that's another reason why, like, you're you're a good human in my eyes in in the sense that, you're able to be vulnerable in what's difficult and you're able to talk about it. And in doing so, it gives strength to people who might not, you might not know that they need it kind of thing. Mm. Um, the, the magical thing about this podcast is it's celebrated quite a few legacies that are deeply meaningful to many people, including myself. Um, and with that being said, what are, what are three things that, uh, that kind of are really special to you about, about Michelle? Looking back, um, 
you know, I really miss the simple things just about her, right? Like the little sass where, you know, the little nieces that I have, like totally remind me of her. Um, just the genuine person that she was, you know, she, she was like me in a sense where she was a helper. Um, and she just really wanted the best for people. And she would go out of her way to, to really drain herself, drain her energy to make other people feel better. That's what I really admire about her because that was basically me as well. Now, the hard thing about that is knowing boundaries, right? And I think you find that out uh, very quickly or else you burn yourself out. Um, the other thing is, is just driven. She was quite driven and strong. So I want to say more strength, like to go through what she did for so long and still put a smile on her face and still want to help other people without just totally collapsing that's a whole nother, a uh, whole nother level of strength. And, you know, looking back where, you know, I'm, I'm spiritual. I don't, you know, I don't um, force religion on anybody or anything like that, but I believe in a higher being. And I, you know, I, I would pray and, and say, you know, God, give me this illness and let her go. Like, just let her live. Like, and I can take it. Let me like, but Again, you know, we're, we're not in those positions to make those those decisions in life, right, unfortunately. And um, but uh, with her, it's just, you know, so loving, you know, unconditionally, her strength, her bubbliness. It's hard to just do three. It's everything about her I loved. So, yeah. And that's that's a beautiful answer. I mean, if it means anything to you, what I've seen in your character, you are a great representation of her. And I think maybe sometimes people need to hear that. Um, I, I kind of am a person who likes to point out people's strengths. Um, I like to uplift people. And with that being said, um, when it comes to the last like year, like 2020, I mean, we're both in the fitness industry. It's tough. Um, lots of introspection, alone time. What what has the journey been like for you? We can extend it to 2021. You could be like midway to through 2020 to 2021. What has that like saga or phase of your life been like? I know nobody's has been easy, so I'm not expecting a perfect answer, but just kind of like share. Well, it's been, you know, it was ew, to start very emotional when this all happened, of course, with what was going on health-wise. Uh, with Michelle, um, you know, I, I would commute back and forth from running a business, you know, trying to keep that afloat. And then I would, whenever she needed me, I would be on the next flight, basically just, okay, awesome. I'm there, um, you know, doing scheduled visits and so on and so forth. And then I was there for, from April 10th um, to June, and then we drove back. But um, after her passing, it's, of course, you go into a tailwind, right? Any normal person would right uh, that has a heart has feeling has a soul so it was it was hard right and it still is you know at certain days and stuff like that because you'll be reminded and you'll break down which is fine it's part of the process so i'm i'm strong i'm stubborn um sometimes i'm i've always been a independent person right and i've always uh, proud, I guess, proud and kind of independent where, you know, I, I, I've lived on my own. I've, you know, played lacrosse. I've, you know, achieved certain, you know, achievement, uh, achievements, sorry, um, staying humble and modest, of course, through the whole thing and giving gratitude to other people as well. 
but it's just with this, I, I, I try to, I, I almost protected my emotions, my full emotions, if that kind of makes sense where, yeah, I, I showed the, the, uh, you know, the surface, a little bit of the tip of the iceberg, but there was so many different layers that I still had to grow through that process. And of course, through that process, when COVID's going and the big thing that I did in any other workaholic is we try and hide it through being busy. And when you hide it through being busy, those emotional outbursts are more sporadic and they're much more powerful in regards to release. So was it the best way to deal with grief as well as, you know, facing adversity through COVID? Probably not. But again, everybody has their own process of how they grieve, how they deal with things, how they face with adversity. So I can openly, openly like talk about this stuff and still be on the urge of kind of breaking down, but pull it back in. Just knowing that I, I am a stronger person for going through these processes um, and difficulties and adversity. And the thing is, is my big thing is, I usually be, I'm usually connected with people that have gone through similar or going through these processes. It's a very strange um, kind of thing that happens where I'll talk to somebody and then just randomly we'll connect based off of one thing that's happened in our past and then we'll talk and all this stuff. And it's actually kind of cool because I can give them a <sighs> moment which is really, really cool. And I actually, you know, I think that's a gift, right? And it might be a gift from the big guy above where it's, hey, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm one of his, you know, one of his sheeps, one of his shepherds kind of helping people, right? And, you know, I, I truly believe in that. Um, not a prophet or anything like that, just being a good person, right? Um, as far as the business side goes, I've had, have a great team, right? I, I take everyone's um, you know, a view and point of, you know, them as well as all their clients, because, you know, those are the people that really we're trying to service, um, especially when it comes down to COVID. So it's, you know, restrictions here or there, and we try and pivot and so on and so forth. It's been definitely very difficult, uh, compounded with, with everything else, but it's just, again, take it as it is. How do we pivot? How do we overcome? How do we become stronger? That's basically it. And just repeat. Oh, you're going to push this. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, well, I'm going to keep on pushing forward. Having that mentality is hard sometimes. Do you want to break down, give up and everything like that? Yes. Or some days not perfect. It's okay. But you have to keep on pushing forward. If you have the dream, again, keep on pushing for it, right? You're able to do it. There's other people out there that are going through the same thing. If you need to talk with them, if you need to get more, you know, more, um, more help with other people. There's people out there that are willing to help. You just have to accept the help, right? Stop being so proud and just go for it. And again, right, if you have that desire and that push, keep on pushing. Absolutely. I mean, you really spoke to something that needs to be needs to be said more often. A lot of people in the industry are very proud people. Like we like to be independent. We like to be doing our thing. We like to have our brand. We're untouchable. We're unstoppable. Nobody nobody could possibly break us down kind of thing. But I like to believe that nobody's perfect. We're all kind of working on something. And the more honest we are about that, the more open we are to the helpers. And like with, with everything that I've experienced in my life, I like the expression of look for the helpers and like really like be open to seeing them in like the unexpected places in the sense that like, most of the most impactful people that we meet in our lives, we are not 
anticipating when we're going to meet them and how we're going to meet them. They just kind of show up. And a lot of that comes through obstacles that we've come across. Many of the most wonderful people that we'll ever meet come at a time of struggle. Um, they, they help build us back up. They, they help empower us again. A little shout out to our mutual friend, Dr. Farah, because mm-hmm. you played a big role in helping her with her strength training. I know that uh, she speaks very highly of you and she was our introduction to, to meeting each other. And that's just one of the many helpers of the world that we each come across in, in unexpected times. Um, in your life in the last like five years or so, who have been the helpers for you and like outside of like immediate family kind of thing? Well, again, so actually it was a client. One big one is a client um, that, uh, you know, believed in me, believed in vision and everything like that. And uh, she's actually our operations manager and a really good family friend, uh, Jeanette Iwanaka. She's amazing. She's a great person, great soul, and she's a helper as well, right? And she just wants to help people and she's very loving and everything like that. And she was very, you know, important to Michelle and I and everything like that. And still, you know, still is, of course, being involved with my, you know, business now, it was the client friend. And now, you know, she's, she's kind of part of the business as well and helping operations. But I would say that's one, again, I got to pull back. I'm not, not just saying this because I'm a mama's boy or anything like that, but my mom, honestly, with her, she can kind of, I don't want to say get me out of a rut, but she just will, she's the most positive person you will ever, ever meet in life. She just, okay, not a problem. Keep on pushing forward. Keep on going. And the thing is she's had struggles in her life as well with pain. And she's going through another one as well. She had hip surgery and was going through excruciating pain and hiding that from three boys until she finally got it and was, you know, was, uh, was good to go. And now the other hips kind of going, so she's, I want to help her <laughs> now. I want to help her. Um, but yeah, I would say those two, um, someone not directly family orientated. I think another thing is just like any, any professional, any coach, any person that wants growth is learning from others. So I, you know, I'm, I'm a part of, you know, a business network and so on and so forth. And it's not necessarily about getting leads or anything like that. It's more about learning from people who have done it, right? That's where I see value. And just like any other coach in any other business, what have they done? They've learned from another coach maybe tweaked it a little bit and then called it their own. That's what life is about. You learn from the other people, give thanks to the people and credit them. If you do use something similar or so on and so forth, right? Credit when credit is due and then move forward and build your own, right? Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Now I'm not saying copywriting, you know, people's, you know, systems and so on and so forth. But, you know, if you have a, you know, uh, um, you know, a certain dream or a vision or anything like that, you have to learn from others to move forward or be mentored to some degree to actually see your vision come to fulfillment. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. It's something that, uh, the podcast has brought me so much growth because every episode I'm learning from somebody else, no matter what their age, their experience, their background, their industry. In fact, oftentimes I toss in a non-fitness industry guest because just like you would experience in, in the business network, you, you can learn things from people who are in a totally different area, 
we can learn things from like dental clinics. We can learn things from flower shops and it's really cool to be open to those lessons and experience that stuff. And I mean, if there's any new trainers listening, it is very important to find a few people who you would classify as a mentor, be it that they're just a few years ahead of you or a decade ahead of you. I think it's important for your well-being, and it's important to have somebody to like lean on. And it's, I found a lot of mine through the internet, but I've also found a lot of really wonderful people locally as well. Um, your brothers really stand out to me in the fact that you guys are, are pretty solid. Like I'm sure you get in fights and you don't always get along, but at the same time, during a phase of your life, you guys came together. And, and this is just me observing through Instagram stories, to be totally honest. But I, I have two brothers and I that really spoke to me. My brothers and I have a group chat. We lean on each other all the time. What's your experience with you and your brothers? So, um, you know, growing up again, yeah, we got in a bunch of fights. Um, I was a middle child, so I always got the brunt of it. You know, if I beat up my little brother, well, I would get beat up by my older brother. If I started anything with my older brother, well, he would just clump me. So um, from there, whenever, you know, we had the chance to pick up on, uh, pick, uh, sorry, pick on my younger brother, my older brother and I, oh, I would embellish. Ugh. So that's one, but we would always do some crazy stuff, right? And of course, our mother would just be like, go outside, get it out of you, then come back in, right? So we were kind of that family. And uh, that was our, our lifestyle, right? We we didn't have much again, right? So we, you know, we did a lot of stuff outdoors. We were inventive. We, you know, we did things. We, you know, um, we built things. It's, you know, it's, Technology wasn't what it was when, you know, when I was growing up, right? It's kind of weird to say that, but it's so true. Uh, we had to kind of use a little bit more of our imagination, kind of go from there. But um, yeah, I, I love my brothers, right? And everything like that. My younger brother has a little bit more of the entrepreneurial mindship, uh, mindset, sorry. Um, I got him to actually start up his own, his own company and he's doing very, very well uh, through, um, like he's a general contractor, but specialized in carpentry. My older brother kind of works with them right now and kind of does the, the hard flooring, sorry, and tiling and so on and so forth. Um, but uh, yeah, for the most part, we're pretty close. They have their families. So it's a little bit different, you know what I mean? In regards to I'm by myself, don't have a family uh, where they do. So, uh, you know, it's trying to, you know, do the FaceTime and everything like that. Uh, we don't have a group chat or anything, but uh, for the most part, yeah, do that. I also have a half brother, um, Jeff, he's actually an OPP officer in, um, in Thunder Bay and he's 50 years old. So he's, he, there's a big kind of gap there between uh, him and our, you know, our full brothers, I guess, right. But he's a, he's a brother, right. He's a full brother as well. Uh, so, but the crazy thing is the characteristics, right. He came to my wedding and everything like that. It was awesome. I was glad that he came and, uh, we have the same, we're all stubborn, right? Sometimes we don't want to listen. Um, but I think myself, my younger brother are the most that we kind of are a little bit more aware of what's going on and we can kind of say, okay, we can calm it down and try to be resourceful and try and figure out a situation rather than just like, ah, yell it out and beat each other up. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I like how you kind of outlined the whole being resourceful and figuring out a situation. I think that that is a skill that comes in handy through a lot of times of adversity and obstacles. It's like a time that can keep a person grounded and help them manage their stress. Like, 
when there's new restrictions and limitations within how we operate our business, taking it from a much more calm approach can help you set up for that, that next, what, what do we have to do? Like when people are saying like, you're not going to win this game, like how do you get into the headspace that you're going to win it kind of thing. And I think when you talked about your experience as a lacrosse goalie, I was like, wow, like that, that would pay off that whole having to be in such a mindset that things can't throw you off and you kind of have to be like laser focused on the task at hand, no matter what's going on. Cause there's going to be like all kinds of variables on the field, things coming at you fast, not always going to have the coverage you need and you just got to get the job done. Um, is there anything that kind of popped into your head? I kind of saw the, the hamster wheel spinning there. Yeah, no, it was, you know, it was, it was facing that adversity and, and, you know, I was, I was going to say it's a little bit different of a mindset, of course, from business owner, I guess, or a trainer compared to athletes. Athletes have, I think a little bit different of a mindset because it's labor laser focused for a certain point of time. Whereas the coach, the business owner is a, it's a long, long game, right? It's a long-term game. So the, the focus is a little bit different, but again, if you become super focused in one thing, things don't happen, right? And you kind of lose track of your end goal or result. And when that happens, right, the business can go down and so on and so forth. So again, when you relate it to the athletic uh, side of things, someone's chirping you and you're chirping back or something like that. They get, you know, you get scored on, you know, it's, that's, that's what I mean. If you're overstimulated, right. You're, you're not going to have that best judgment. And just like you said, right. It's trying to be calm, right. Um, and, and just approach it logically and kind of go from there and back to goaltending. Every time I got scored on, I do a reset, right. I would kind of go through this reset in my, uh, my head, I would close my eyes, crouch down, and while the ball was coming out of my net and going to the center dot, I basically, boom, snap back into my reset, and there's my focus. So it's kind of doing those resets when the government or whatever standing in your way, and you just go, okay, I know how I feel, time to reset, what do we need to do? Right? It's easier said than done. But again, it's, hey, if you want this to work, ultimately it is up to you, right? But you can be resourceful in other ways, but you have to lead. You're the captain now, right? And you, you got you to gotta push forward, right? In, in all these kind of resourceful ways. Well, I mean, it's really important to me that you highlighted the whole, like, this is a long game. Um, it's, it's an industry that's very easy to hop in and hop out of. And like, it happens time and time again. And it is not to say that if somebody moves on to something else that they should have done it a different way. It's just that when you meet people who are in it for the long game, it's like a whole new level of connection. It's like you're willing to put up with some like serious stuff, <laughs> like to, to stay in yeah. this and to take care of people and like where you operate out of like that is not a, a cheap place to, to run a business. Like it's so kudos to you for that, for sure. But like, I mean, when it comes to that whole, this is a marathon, not a sprint mentality in the fitness industry, what are the things that uh, help you to, to stay dialed in or to, to stay on track or to stay positive? Like what, what are your kind of philosophies or mindsets? Just like anything, I think fitness and, and nutrition and health is the fountain of youth, 
to be totally honest. So live, practice what you preach. It's rule number one, right? So the thing is, is people are coming to you to have guidance, right? If you don't live that, they're going to be second guessing your practice and so on and so forth. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect at it. Definitely not. But you have to be an advocate of health. Um, I think that's going to be the the biggest one and drive. Um, again, uh, is treating it as a lifestyle, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that again, treat it as a lifestyle because people can kind of see through the fake, the facade and so on and so forth. I've always approached this through, okay, it's a lifestyle. You have to manage your stress. You have to do this. You have to do that. Yes, it becomes complex, but you can break it down into simple habits. Apparently over the last few years, it's become this trend that, oh, fitness now is a lifestyle. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll just keep on doing the same thing that I'm doing now. Right. So it's, you know, people that are looking for that quick, you know, quick fix and so on and so forth, or the maybe, and I'm not trying to say this at point fingers to coaches or anything like that or anything out there, but that mind shift, you know, um, to where now they have to kind of follow suit of everybody as a healthy lifestyle that to me, it doesn't make sense, but again, everybody has their, their agenda, right. And how they want to train people and so on and so forth and what they're promising. And if it's a, you know, quick fix or whatever, and that's it. And they don't build any skills. Well, you know, whichever that's their model and go from there. But I've always been a, an advocate of, okay, how's your stress? Okay. Well, this is probably why you're not getting results right now because of this, we need to fix this. Right. And knowing that as a coach and not being afraid, I've always been very straightforward with people, no matter what, I don't do a, a crazy sales pitch or anything like that. It's like, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. This is the plan that we're going to do it based off of your information. If you want to do it. Awesome. If not, not a problem. I'm going to be here. I'm going to still be training other people when you're ready. Awesome. But the thing is, I, you know, I want your commitment of you to work on you to be better, right? And owe it to yourself. If you're not ready for that, not a problem, right? Not forcing people into decision rather than just looking for a quick fix. I find that a lot of people can see through that BS, especially, you know, the used car sales pitch or whatever, when you're in a consultation or whatever and stuff like that. It's just, to me, it's, it's doesn't work, right? Doesn't, doesn't work really. Um, and it doesn't really create um, good credibility, that trust and that longevity of a healthy relationship between you and your client. I mean, you're, we're on the same page. You're definitely speaking my language there. And I think uh, it's kind of like you say, when, when people are able to speak in a clear, transparent way about what they're looking for and, re- and receive that clear, transparent communication back, you'll be ready for them. Like we're, you and I, we're kind of exhibiting the lifestyle in our different ways. I mean, I'm doing a lot of work with some of the living room. You're going for a lot of dog walks. Um, and I think it's important that people can see that transparency in the sense that uh, they know what they're going to get. And then when they're ready for it, they can lean into those tough conversations that are necessary for the growth that they're seeking, for that uh, accountability. And in most cases, it's simply the education and knowing how to to achieve what they're seeking out. There's just so many times when just simply like teaching people about nutrition and teaching people some sustainable ways to seek out their their groceries and plan out their workouts, something simple, not not too complicated kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I find that's a great point, you know, is is back to empowering people, right? Teaching people, empowering them to be their own self, right? And 
that's that's been always you know a vision of of myself when it comes to training a lot of coaches have a hard time sometimes not wanting to show them how to do it right or giving them all the nuts and bolts it's like wait a second this person's investing in you you're not wanting to show them how to do that now of course right if if they want the algorithms and this and that and so on and so forth it's like okay well we need to teach you in a different way right but if it's like hey this is what you do this is your trigger whatever emotionally or whatever in this and build those habits rather than saying okay we just have to do more push-ups it's you know it's it's not that right so it's, it's really educating them to be like this is what we're doing this is what's happening the trade-off there you go Right. Rather than saying, mm, uh, I don't know. And then BSing it. And really no one wins because the client is unhappy and you're unhappy as well because you're stressed out because that person's not getting results that they want. And you have a uh, miscommunication more than anything. That's what it comes down to. Right. Is that total transparency of communication. I mean, it's an excellent point. Like something that I've learned is that even when we have clients that ask questions that we couldn't articulate to the best of our ability, if we seek out the person who can and pass on that information directly, that client isn't going to dislike us for doing that. Like in a lot of cases, I go to Dr. Mike T. Nelson puts out some articles on nutrition and he understands it much greater than I do. Dr. Ben House is another one. And those guys are brilliant. And so if there's something a client asks me about, I just send the article that guy wrote directly to the client. And next time a client has a question, they know I'm not going to try and make up an answer. Like if I, if I don't know it, then I'll find it kind of thing. Exactly. And I, and you know, we do the other, you know, we do the same thing. And what that really is, is building networks. Hey, you know what? I don't specialize in nutrition, but I'm not going to, you know, you know, beat around the bush. I'm going to give you a great article that you can read and get a little bit more knowledge about that and we can apply it. How's that sound? Awesome. It's okay to do that, right? You're not going to be perfect in everything. Again, it comes down to that ego, right? Oh, I'm the best. No, I got to do this. And this is what I believe in. It's just like, okay, that's great. But again, if you're affecting the client and the outcome, that's why the client is hiring you, right? Like you should have that as far as your ethical code of conduct to actually help that person rather than it being about you. It's about them, right? Just be a good person, do your stuff. If you don't know it, either get certified or mentored from somebody else and learn it or refer out to another expert. Oh, they're going to steal my client. Well, they steal your client. You haven't built a good enough rapport with that person to know that they want to train with you. People switch sometimes, you know, bite, bite the bullet, take it with a grain of salt and move forward. That's how this industry is sometimes, right? Like that's, and you know that probably for, you know, from firsthand as well. Some clients will be like, oh, well, I'm going to go with them. Okay, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like tough skin. A, a lot of clients I've worked with have, have trained at your your facility and that's just, that's kind of how it goes. It's like the, the nature of the beast. Like people need a team to, to support them in their life's journey. Like this is, this is many, many decades worth of experiences and many of our clients that we'll encounter, we might not be their first trainer. And that's totally fine because people are going to go through different seasons of life. They're going to need different personalities. They're going to need different conversations, um, different life experiences. Like life experience plays into a person's coaching abilities so, so much, which mm -hmm. um, like it, it's almost 
taken for granted sometimes when somebody hops from one industry to another and just thinks, oh, I'm starting fresh. But no, like you've lived some years and you got some some experiences to impart on that person to help with relatability so that they trust you and so that they know that they're not alone in certain situations. Um, your dogs really stand out in that they are such supportive little creatures. Um <laughs> How how has that journey of dog ownership been like? Because that's kind of something that's one of my bucket list goals. I'd like to get a dog some at some point soon. So I'm going to vicariously live through you for the next yeah. couple minutes here. Everybody absolutely loves Donna and Lucy. So Donna is about uh, a year and a half now, pure Frenchie. And then Lucy, uh, Michelle and I actually uh, got her in Vaughn, um, just uh, north of Toronto there. And... Uh, we, we went there and she was the only little little puppy and she had a pink little nose and we were going to call her Rosie. And then I'm like, no, let's call her Lucy and let's, you know, do it like a loose ball. So L-O-O-S-I-E, right? And so she's like, okay, sure, right? So she picked the dog, I picked the name. And so that's one thing, like, especially emotionally for me, right? It's the last kind of living thing that like we had as close to a child um is is lucy they're awesome puppies they're really really good i wish i can give them even more attention that i do um but again they're you know they're they're great i've always was you know a cat person growing up and then as soon as i <laughs> met michelle i became a dog person so uh she had an older dog as well and uh we had uh, her and um yeah it was they're just great little creatures and they're, they're awesome. Yeah. They're basically little, little, uh, little daughters, uh, to me. Right. So yeah, they, they fight, they, they're affectionate, uh, they're fun to, to play with and so on and so forth. But yeah, that's basically it. Everyone loves them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of people, people don't give dogs enough credit for the past couple of years. Dogs have been like the unsung heroes where they, they've been there when you needed them they are incredibly good emotional support for a lot of people, whether they're strangers or not. Like I go to the park, I've pet so many stranger dogs with permission, but it's just like no rules with dogs. So I'm just, you want know, the dog wants pets. It's okay. Okay. I'm yeah. going to pet the dog kind of thing. Um, with just to kind of keep us on track with goals, you kind of alluded to some of your goals with like NLL. I'd imagine you have all kinds of different goals, how do you set them and how do you set yourself up on a trajectory to move closer to them? So again, you know, just like any kind of goal setting that I've done is, is try to have that big dream and then uh, reverse engineer it. Right. And I think that's like the first thing that you have to try and do. Um, also from now, from knowing, you know, the, the layers of what business truly is from a commercial kind of uh, storefront is knowing what you're good at, what you need to delegate, what you need to invest in. So now knowing this, I have a better strategy of, hey, if I'm going to invest in another gym, this needs to be done, this needs to be done, this needs to be done to where, hey, this is now our capital that we need to start. Awesome, this is the sequence, boom, boom, boom. So I think that right there, like just from trial and error, and that's what it is most of the time with small businesses and startups is trial and error especially if you don't have the mentorship um, and the experience. But with myself, yeah, it's the re-engineering, um, the, the whole process. And I'm a visionary by nature, so I have tons and tons of ideas. 
that go on my my head. So sometimes I'll just write them down. I have two big whiteboards here, um, you know, where you know I'll sharpie something on there and and kind of uh, just go from there and kind of say, okay, well, I want to do this. Okay, can't do that right now. Try and prioritize another thing. And it's really hard sometimes when you're get excited about something. So my next big thing is is actually um, I want to become a firefighter. So I want to become a firefighter in Victoria. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep the the, the gym here, um, you know, transition one of our trainers into a GM, making sure everything's good. I'll fly back and forth for the, the meantime kind of thing uh, once I get the job. And then most likely from there, I'll start again in Victoria. So build up that capital um, basically start at a sports academy with uh, one of my buddy who's a field lacrosse coach. So I'll be doing more athletic kind of development there and then go from there through networks and connections that I made over the years. So that's the cool thing about business. Once you're in it and you're a good person and you don't burn bridges, you can build success a little bit more if you do have the capital and a good plan. I love it. So with being a firefighter, like that's something that's popped into my head a few times. Like I'm a person that's always thinking about stuff and I've always kind of come to the conclusion that I don't think my heart would be able to handle being a firefighter. Like I think it would wreck me to be quite honest. And that's probably the biggest thing as to why like it it excites me to do something that calls upon such fitness capacity. It excites me to help people. But yeah, I think I would probably break down and not pass the the mental part of it. Um, what what calls you toward? What motivates you? What sparks the fire for you? Camaraderie, team, and helping. I think those are the big things. Um, of course, you know, going through life experience and and big traumatic experiences and going through that. Um, Am I going to have empathy for the person and possibly their families if something goes wrong? 100%. I think that's normal. But I think, again, going through processes like this, and it's kind of crazy where things happen in life in a certain sequence, meaning that, and I just had a thing going on here. Um, so one of the one of the gentlemen that actually um, – is helping me kind of get on and so on and so forth with uh, in Victoria for firefighting. He, every time I'm back there, I helped his son with uh, goaltending. He's like, Aaron, we have got to talk. We got, Hey, it's not time right now. I'm playing the NLL, you know, starting this, da, 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 da. not right now, not right now. So that happened, happened, happened. So now Michelle and this big traumatic experience and everything like that, right? Maybe that was prepping me. I don't want to sound sadistic or anything like that, you know what I mean? Of, of going through a traumatic life experience like that, but watching somebody pass in front of you that you really love and so on and so forth. Hey, you know, do I cry about it? hundred percent. But am I stronger because of it? A hundred percent. Do I still love her? hundred percent. But maybe that was prepping me for something in my next journey in life. I completely agree. Like I, my brain works the same way. I see life the same way in the sense that uh, life isn't always straightforward and it isn't always gentle, but uh, it does kind of guide you towards your purpose. And uh, even no matter what direction you go, you just look for the helpers. As you said, like don't burn bridges, be a good person. And uh, things kind of work their way out with that. Um, There's a question that I ask quite a few of my guests. Sometimes it's the earlier episodes. Sometimes it's sporadically in the later ones, but I'll ask you this one. 
It's if you could give one piece of advice to someone on how to live their life to the fullest in the most authentic way, what would that piece of advice be? I think it comes down to trust yourself and your intuition and don't be manipulated by others. You'll know deep down inside what is right, what is wrong, and which direction you really need to go. Just be able and willing to be aware of that process. And, and that's the one thing that we even preach with, uh, with bold athletics is be aware, be aware of your surroundings, be aware of what your body's telling to you, be aware of what your, you know, your spirit, your energy, whatever is telling you. I think that's the biggest thing. And just follow that, that intuition that you know what you need to do. I mean, that's very wise. And I hope people really heard that thoroughly because there's a lot of takeaways for anybody in their situation. And it'll help them a lot with their decisions moving forward. There's another question I got for you. So <laughs> this one, it's actually, you just have to make up a challenge for people. And it's a challenge that would be unique to you, not too complicated, but something that would help people through their day, whether it be today or whether it be a day next week. Um, and essentially all you have to do is say your challenge for the day is, and then just let loose with it. Okay, give me one sec here. Hmm. Cause I got a bunch. <laughs> um, your challenge for today is saying one positive thing about yourself in the mirror. I think that's going to have a profound impact on people, even though they might be reluctant to try it. It's something that I did yesterday and it felt really good and it seems lame to try it, but, uh, it pays off. And especially the compound effect of doing something like that, like uh, it pays off leaps and bounds. But with all of that being said, I'd like to thank you so much for joining me on the show for episode 173. It's been a pleasure. 